Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, January 9th, and I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, we'll be talking about the launch of Reorg's inaugural review of the gaming sector. We will then talk about the primary market with a roundup of what has taken place so far this year. But first, we're going to discuss the increasing use of continuation vehicle transactions in the private credit sector. We are now joined by senior reporters Oscar Lorica and Lucy Camblor, who have been busy over the festive period reporting on continuation funds. Oscar, can you tell us a bit more about this trend? Hi, Andrew. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's fair to say that things have been pretty quiet over the last two weeks, as a lot of the processes that we'd been following either wrapped up just before Christmas or took a short break after collecting indicative bids. However, there were one or two processes where the sponsor was very keen to get something done. Uh, one of which involved a continuation fund, which Lucy is going to tell us a little bit more about in a minute. Um, But just to speak a little bit to the wider trend, uh, it's definitely something that we've seen more of this year. In fact, according to data from Secondary's Investor, around 9% of global PE distributions in 2023 came from continuation funds. Uh, Obviously, a big reason for that was the sleepy M&A market that we've talked a lot about over the past year on this podcast. Um, you know, where sponsors have been kind of delaying exits due to not being able to achieve the valuations that they want. So uh, selling a company or even sometimes a group of companies to a new vehicle that they control, uh, a continuation fund, allows them to distribute some capital to LPs while still holding out for a higher valuation when the market they hope improves. Yes, Exactly, Oscar. And as you mentioned, we have seen a good example of these processes recently with IK Partners securing a 300 million refinancing from Arkmont borrowing CDPQ and Macquarie to transfer its Dodge Insurance distribution platform, Usure, into a continuation fund. The sponsor had hired Julian Loki to explore a sale earlier last year, but finally decided to retain the asset. Evercore ran the GP-led secondaries process. And we have also seen an example in Germany with software provider HR Works, Macquire Capital Credit provided a unit tranche and an acquisition capex facility to refinance the company as part of the assets transfer to a newly established continuation vehicle. Another option to stay invested in the asset has been illustrated by Bridgepoint's transfer of PI Media to a different fund. The sponsor transferred it from its small cap fund to its main buyout fund. Sixth Street joined the incumbent lender, CVC Credit, in providing a $325 million unit tranche and $60 million acquisition facility to support the transfer and refinance its existing debt. The deal included a $25 million RCF provided by HSBC. Thanks, Lucia. It's definitely been a key theme in our reporting over the last year, and it's going to be interesting to see whether it continues into this year or whether a more buoyant M&A market means that it's actually less necessary. Either way, you can follow all of the key developments in this trend and in other areas of private credit via our coverage at Reorg. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey in the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Reorg recently launched its inaugural review of the global gaming sector as part of our data and sector insight series, now accessible for download at reorg.com 
forward slash reports. Additionally, you can find the link to this report in the podcast's description. Joining me now to discuss uh, is credit analyst Charlie Ward. Hi, Charlie. Could you please describe what you covered in your analysis? Yeah, sure. So for our gaming sector review, we examined the performance of 33 US and European based companies covering both private and public issuances. And we split these companies into five different sub-segments. This was online gaming, those focused on sports betting, traditional US casinos, other land-based gaming, and gaming technology providers. Our analysis covers 72 high-yield bond issuances and 26 leveraged loan issuances across the full credit spectrum. This is from triple C-rated issuances up to those rated double B. And could you summarize some of the key trends that you found as a result? Well, most significantly, the gaming sector has actually been relatively robust in the face of faltering economic growth across both the US and Europe. Leverage ratios have declined for the majority of issues that we examined, whilst interest coverage ratios have held up as a result of relatively modest EBITDA growth across the sector, but also largely fixed rate capital structures, which remained relatively unchanged in terms of the average interest rate. Um, in the face of raising interest rates from the point of issuance. Additionally, the gaming sector isn't actually facing many maturities for stress credits. The larger US uh, publicly listed companies such as Wynn, Caesars and MGM do have some sizable maturities to tackle. However, we don't really see an issue with these being refinanced as they largely trade apart at the moment. Um, And when calculating credit metrics pro forma for what a potential refinancing might look like, interest coverage remains largely unchanged. Despite this, some of the European retail sector has seen lacklustre performance. Results in sports betting, which is an established market in Europe in comparison to the US, resulted in retail underperformance for both Lottomatica, which is an Italian company, and 888 in the UK. For example, Lottomatica saw an 8% decline in sports betting-related revenues, which are attributed to uh, higher-than-expected payouts, and, but this was actually uh, offset by strong 35% revenue growth in online gaming. And on online gaming, um, it's perceived to be the area with the strongest growth potential by a lot of the management of many of the companies we examined that are actually engaged in online gaming. However, performance has actually been mixed. So the majority of issuers did post strong uh, revenue growth in their online offerings. Um, and also um, strong EBITDA margins in compared to their retail offerings. However, 888, as I mentioned, posted poor performance, and Entain also posted poor performance in the segment. And Entain is heavily engaged in online gaming alongside its competitor Flutter. Um, they're active in making acquisitions to try and expand their offerings. However, Entain's actually posted negative performance pro forma for its acquisitions, and it's also um, doing poorly compared to Flutter. It's also been hit by hefty fines as a result of compliance issues and as a result Entain's valuation significantly trails Flutter. And both of these issuers' capital structures consist of sizable loan issuances. They're not currently uh, engaged in the high yield bond market. Um, In actual fact, one thing that we found which was interesting was the segment which is overperformed in comparison to the others is the gaming technology segment. So companies operating in this space provide gaming services and technology that drives the perform- the platforms offered by many of the other companies covered in our report. So gaming tech providers, we found, were actually operating with leverage at historic lows, whilst posting strong third quarter numbers across the board. 
We actually calculated a really high uh, median EBITDA margin across these providers of 40% for the segment. So that's definitely an area to look at um, if you're interested in the gaming space as a whole. So access to the gaming sector review, um, you can download it at reorg.com forward slash reports or use the link provided in the description to acquire uh, your copy. Thanks, Charlie. Joining us now is Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mervolian. Hi, Beatrice. What has been going on in the primary market this past week? This week, the primary market seems to have come back to life. Auto part manufacturer Schaeffler Group has uh, priced a 500 million euro bond to support its acquisition of the remaining shares of the electric vehicle specialist Vitesco that it didn't, didn't already own. Dutch car park operator Q-Park and paper packaging specialist Fedragoni are marketing notes for refinancing. Investors were generally generally positive about Q-Park's notes, although leverage is relatively high at uh, 6.8 or so. Um, the company benefits from strong downside coverage because of its ownership of a, a significant proportion of its car parks, which are basically infrastructure assets. The company is the incumbent in its sector. It's well-managed. It's, well managed and it has performed well in in economic downturns. Additionally, cash generation is quite strong because capex is relatively limited. A cross-border loan is expected to come to the market over coming weeks to fund Leonard Green's buyout of Dutch artificial grass company Tencat Grass from Crestview. Um, A refinancing may also be imminent for Finnish social care provider Mehilainen. Um, This CVC-backed company is thought to, to be considering a refinancing or a sale. Uh, an amend and extend transaction was expected last summer, summer, but was put on hold as the company's sponsor fo- focused on its ex- exit strategy. Um, one source said there may be about 10 high-yield issuances in January and 10 to 15 loans brought to the market by mid-February. Other market observers were less bullish, suggesting that most issuers, except for those under pressure from maturities in early 2025, of which there aren't many, will most likely wait to come to the market once the time frame and extent of interest rate cuts by, by central banks is, is clearer. Explore the key restructuring trends of 2023 compared to 2022, utilizing data from Reorg's exclusive restructuring database, gain valuable insights, and download the EMEA Restructuring Wrap 2023 at reorg.com forward slash reports now. The link to the report is also accessible in the description of this podcast. Join Reorg for a webinar as our expert team delves into global manufacturer of eye surgery products, BVI Medicals, underperformance sponsors capital structure strategy and potential lender outcomes at 3 p.m. GMT or 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, January 10th. Reorg's Mariana Irklienko and Oscar Lurica will also be at Deal Catalyst European Direct Lending and Middle Market Conference on January 29th. Mariana will speak on the rapid ascent of private credit, while Oscar will discuss the evolving role of banks in private credit. For more details, visit reorg.com forward slash events. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.